Welcome to the Making Laps Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Making Laps Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Gleason. Alongside me, as usual, is my co-host and brother, Jesse Gleason. Hello, everyone. And with us still on the line is our Florida Connection, Senator Phil Jakes. I don't know what to make of this one. Where are you? And I'm so sorry. I cannot sleep. Squidward? I cannot dream tonight. I need some and always. Where did this they find this recording of me? comes creeping on so haunting <laughs> every time. And as I, I don't stare, know, I think we're I'm diving into AI. spiders. <laughs> yeah, we're diving into the AI covers at this point. <laughs> oh, boy. Squid 182. Yeah, Squidward from SpongeBob. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> 4.1. Well, I got better than last week, I guess, right? Anything gets better than last week. I guess that's true. Anyway, we usually, if you're new to this show, by the way, we do everything off the cuff, maybe a few notes here and there, but we don't edit this show. It's everything right up in front of you. So uh, welcome to that nightmare. And uh, if you actually want to leave us some feedback or anything, you can head over to uh, making laps podcast at gmail.com or you can leave a voicemail and have yourself heard on the show at making laps podcast uh yeah. let's see no it's called uh anchor.fm slash making laps oh That's yeah what it is. phil drives to 77 sportsman down in florida yep should be here but we miss him well he usually drives it unless something comes up more on that later brent drives yeah no a, it just sits in the garage most of the time <laughs> Brent drives a, a street stock limited sportsman at Thompson International Speedway. Might be a, might as well be called a limited late model. At and this point. I used to race Thompson and a few other places. And my pronouns are has and been. Correct. I'd go do the Michael Was Jackson joke again, but <laughs> we're not going there again. Anyway, we usually start our episodes off with personal updates. I uh, I'll hold off on Phil for now because I actually did touch race cars this weekend, multiple race cars this week i didn't drive anything yet that's coming up maybe next year but um i went and uh, helped out somebody this week uh, before waterford ray christian the third called me up or texted me i should say and he asked me hey i know you know how to do valve springs and stuff mine is like a year hello. old hello oh, the wife's home i'm home finally finally hello how are you Sorry, I went shopping. <laughs> oh god I'm, I'm very there goes my credit card bill um <laughs> Nice. But, um, yeah, Ray texted me, asked me to do his valve springs because it's been a year since he's done them. And I'm like, sure, I can come help you. And it, it turned into a, a nightmare because some of them didn't want to come out. The keepers kept getting stuck. And so it was a two-man operation, smashing valves with a screwdriver and a hammer and uh, a press tool with my air chuck blowing the cylinder with pressure and it was a nightmare, but we got it done, and I lashed his valves for him and fired it up and made sure all eight were firing, and I said, okay, good luck, and then, um, spoiler alert, he went and did, well, let's just say he did very well at Waterford this weekend, so that was fun, and then I went and worked on my own car. I got a video out now. 
I try to do at least one weekly video on the YouTubes over at youtube.com slash Brent Gleason. If you haven't subscribed there, please consider doing so. It's free and it helps me. So win-win. Anyway, I put up a video over there because I got out a giant stock pot and a propane burner and I finally got to making all new lead ballast for my car. I cut a bunch of different pieces of rectangular 2x3 tubing and I made all different shapes and well not shapes but all different sizes of lead so that I could make all the ballast in the car a uniform shape and it would make it easier for me to just mount use all of the above and uh, I got all that done that was a complete nightmare uh, I only had one explode in my face so that was cool um no, but seriously, if you're going to use tubing, make sure that it's dry tubing because I, I ran out and I went out back with a Sawzall to a scrap chassis that I still have to throw in the metal heap. And I cut some off just for scrap pieces and apparently had been out in the rain and got all rusty on the inside. And I stood it up on a piece of metal so that it wouldn't come blorking out the bottom of it. And I poured it in. And apparently lead is very hot and water is in rust. And yeah, it started bubbling really bad and some of it popped right in my face. Luckily, I was really sweaty and science class says the Coriolis effect saved me. So that's all I had going for me anyway. But I was picking lead chunks out of my hair, which was fun. And so we got that done and I played around with weight and weight placement etc. in my car today. I had it on scales and I found a bunch of stuff that was kind of interesting and I don't really want to say it out loud even though everyone probably knows what it is and uh, it's just stuff that I haven't been playing with enough and trying to make work and it's just general stuff everybody already knows but it's taken me way too long to figure out. So we're basically going down that path right now of learning and trying something that I haven't done yet and I just, I need to make it work because I've never tried it. So we're working through that. And I'm already trying to make plans to make it to Stafford next year. Hopefully that'll come true. Hopefully we can make something work out. And uh, I can get prepped up this year to make sure that I'm ready for next year. And we can hit the ground running instead of trying to figure it out like I did in 2020 when I only got four races in. But the rules, I don't think they've really ever changed. So we should be in good shape. And hopefully I'll learn something from everything that I've been doing. And it'll translate over to moving into that next year. So I think that's all I got going for me. Uh, we race again in a couple weeks. 21st, I believe. And I'm really planning on going to that practice on the 15th. Just because I really want to try these changes out. So... We'll see what happens. I'll keep you all up to date and uh, make more videos over on the YouTubes. Anyway, we can move it on into Phil's updates because he's got some news going on, but uh, I don't think it's good news. Heartbreaking news. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. No, today we were told, unfortunately, that our race this Saturday at the Freedom Factory was canceled. Um, was really getting excited to go down there because I haven't been in the car since other than the practice at Citrus, I haven't been in the car since March. So, uh, disappointing to get that news. Not sure what I'm going to be doing next. Going to look at, see what Smyrna has going on 
in Citrus. Uh, but Auburndale is basically off until next, till the fall, September area. Uh, they take a break in the summer, and there's no SRL races until August or September. So uh, it is what it is. Oh, well. You have the nicest uh, show car of all of us, though, so. <laughs> yeah, it, I told Daniel earlier today, like, if this continues with this class, I'm pretty sure I might already have the engine for the dirt car sitting in my garage. Oh, you picked one up? Yeah, it's mounted in the sportsman car. Oh. Get it? <laughs> Oh yeah, I will. Oh. It, if it gets to where it's a pain <laughs> in the ass to figure out where to even run these cars and run them to where it makes sense, hmm. just kind of bail on the class. As much as I love driving them, and I think I'm competitive at this point and building momentum towards being a contender, uh, I just I want to race. And if if I can't race this car, then what the hell's the point of having it? So yeah, it's it's so much better to just go somewhere where you know you can go and race easily and there's going to be competition and yep. no question about okay well hey this uh this series isn't running and I don't know where to run this car what track is running these at this particular time where can I schedule time you're going to move over into something that is a new challenge and probably going to be a fun challenge if I'm honest and it's something that's a lot more stable, not, not like driving wise, but I mean like scheduling wise. And you can you can still have a lot of support for it as well. So I think it's probably a good idea. And it's more affordable. That's the biggest thing. Like the sportsman car, you have to buy four tires. Some races now, it's looking like you're going to start having to buy a practice set too because of just how competitive everything is. You got to get dialed in. So it's like it's turn it into what super late models were 10 years ago. Exactly. You know, it's no longer becoming an affordable class. So at what point does it make sense to continue? I mean, I could go buy a truck too. Yeah. But you know, the trucks are on a, on an upswing down here right now. The last race, I think at Citrus had 22 trucks. It's a really good field for just a regular twin 25 night. Mm -hmm. But is that going to continue either? Asphalt down here is so unstable, and dirt just seems to keep riding this high that it's been on since. Yeah, I mean, dirt's been getting more and more popular. So there's a ton of guys building thunderstocks right now, me it's, included. It's worth it to try it at least. I mean, yeah, you got to figure. Like I said before, you can't you can't just sit there and hope that you can find a place that the schedule is going to work out for you. And then you got to change the car for that. Like you got to change gears in it. Then you go and you got to buy four tires and it's like, well, what a pain in the balls, at least with the dirt car, all the rules are probably really comparative to what or or comparable, I should say between whatever tracks there are out there. And you can probably not even have to change a hell of a lot on the car and not have to spend money on brand new tires every time you want to go somewhere. And you probably don't have to spend money. You didn't, you were were you buying racing fuel for this car or not? I don't think so. No, I've been running ninety three. All right, so that works out either way. So that didn't really matter. But yeah. 
at least it's going to work out for you on a cost benefit analysis level. And, yeah. uh, especially when it comes to scheduling, like I said before, so that'll help. And I'll be back in a metric car. Yeah. Right back in your wheelhouse. But you, now you got to go with a completely different type of setup and you're going to have to learn all the subtle nuances of that now as well. So that'll be fun. Just do everything yeah. backwards. <laughs> That's no, Jesse, you laugh, but Jesse's not wrong. Everything is I'm literally <laughs> the backwards of what you would think. Like to loosen the car up, you put more spring in the left rear. Yeah. Yeah, that's opposite world. It it's doesn't so make sense. Wild. It doesn't make sense, but I just to me in my brain, but I just know it's right. <laughs> you know. Well, when Phil told me that one time, he's like, "Yeah, we don't run fuel cell foam because you want that fuel to slosh and then you put all the weight up high on this side." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> all of the lead, like the fuel cell is mounted at 18, 20 inches. All of the lead, the batteries all hung like higher than the fuel cell. It's obnoxiously <laughs> high. Yeah, yeah, it promotes roll. Yeah, you, you you don't go down in the frame. You raise up on the frame. <laughs> right. You want to get it to roll over onto that right rear, whereas in our cars, we we're so used to trying to get that left front pinned. Yeah. It's, it's a different world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely different world. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I like that. Other than that, what else you got going on? I have nothing going on right now, honestly. We haven't been uh, at a racetrack in a few weeks between weather and I was out of town, obviously, last week in Charlotte. So uh, I don't know if we're going to try and do anything this week. I know Smyrna has a race in a couple of weeks. I'm trying to get – I sent a message to the uh, track manager. I said, make it a 50-lap. Uh, 1,200 to win or 1,500 to win, and I bet we could get 25 cars out there. We'll see if he responds. Hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see. Jesse, you got any other updates? No. Hmm. I did forget to mention about my birthday. I didn't think anybody would care, but I know I mentioned it on the show last week that it was my 40th birthday last Tuesday, which was when the show was released. And my family banded together and literally bought me my dream guitar, which was pretty freaking awesome. I just wanted to mention that out loud. And uh, I have it sitting right behind me in the studio, but since this isn't a video podcast, you can't see it. Um, I can kind of see it. Well, you can see a headstock below my microphone, but that's about it. But uh, I thought that was really awesome. I'm going to send it out to a guitar repair place, get it all nice and tuned up and ready to go, and I'm going to play it pretty soon. Hopefully it... uh, is everything I hoped for, but it already is, so it doesn't really matter. Don't suck. So, don't suck. <laughs> Please play Blink-182. There's warranty paperwork? Yeah, he called, he called them to verify oh. it. And they, well, look at that, they huh? Sent, or they said something, whatever. Anyway, we found that today. Yeah, I was sitting here deciphering the... Uh, I know this is a racing podcast, but uh, I was actually deciphering the code on it, and this all actually works out, yeah. It yeah, was... Yeah, it was manufactured June twentieth, two thousand six, in Nashville, Tennessee, which is pretty cool. I don't care. I don't care. You're just hey, speak jealous. for yourself, Jesse. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm, I don't play. I don't know. I, don't I literally know. like this. Ever since I picked one up, I've dreamed about owning one and had opportunities to buy one, and never been able to follow through on it. And um, now I got it somehow, and I don't even know what to say. So it's pretty cool. But anyway. Enough about my uh, nonsense. Uh, but, yeah, I did want to say thank you. We have to move into 
the second segment of the show. And the much-anticipated second segment of the show that everybody enjoys is called the Darf Comments of the Week. Yes. For this week's Darf Comment of the Week, I actually found it, and God help everybody else because I'm not good at finding these things. But as it is now June, and it's considered Pride Month... I figured I'd come up with a theme for this one. Okay, here's a fun one. Fox NASCAR Twitter page, at NASCAR on Fox, posted a picture of Alex Bowman's paint scheme for the Sonoma race that's upcoming. And uh, Ally, his sponsor, put together a paint scheme to celebrate Pride Month. So they changed the color of the A on the hood to every single color you could imagine. And it says better together on the hood. Okay, cool. What, like brown? Um, no, it looks like this. All, all of them at once. It looks like this. Oh. Yes, that. Okay. Okay, there you go. All now right. Jesse got an eyeful. Yeah. It's literally only the A on the hood. The rest of the car looks like purple, turquoise, white, which is normal, typical ally colors, but a little bit different design. And so... <laughs> I don't really consider this to be a real Darfy comment, but I came up with one that I just couldn't help but laugh at. This one comes from a Twitter user called Left Handed Grandpa 06. (laughs) (laughs) And he's got a blue check mark, which I don't understand. He probably paid the eight dollars. Eight dollars a week. He paid him eight dollars a month for the blue check mark for his no left handed grandpa 06. All those other left handed grandpas are faking. This is the real one. This is the sixth left-handed grandpa. His at, by the way, if you'd like to interact with this person, is called at longdrive1153. Official. Official. And he has a third of the followers I do, which is not saying a lot because I don't have that many. (laughs) But enjoy the blue check mark and spending $8 on social media a month. But anyway, he replies to the NASCAR on Fox tweet, that stated, Alex Bowman's ally number 48, Sonoma, uh, Chevrolet will celebrate Pride Month at Sonoma. He says, and I had to use this one just because I thought it was funny, I blame ally for this, but then Alex does seem gay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Alex. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I wondered if he was for a while. Uh, he's... Probably not, to be fair. He does have a pretty good sense of humor. But there's a whole host of replies, and it's just kind of ridiculous. I just thought it was funny, so I used it as the Darf comment of the week. I mean, I guess Jeff Gordon is supposed to be, too, and he has children. (laughs) To be fair, the Darf comment of the week, there's no real... He's he's actually... It took me two seconds to figure out. Two seconds on Google to figure it out? Yeah, it's someone named Crystal Marsh, who is... Whose blonde hair has a symmetrical face and a flat stomach? Yeah, she's a smoke. So she's kind of hot. Yeah, she's a smoke. Yeah, pretty hot. Yeah, I mean he has cup talent. I mean, let's be fair. You're not going to get. You should. He has resources. Right. Um. Oh, this guy got really mad. Chase Elliott fan called Redneck Rebel said, "It takes only an idiot to say some stupid shit like this." Alex has a girlfriend. You stupid fuck. No, don't think that the guy could be joking. Okay, calm down, sir. But his reply comes from I Hooligan, says, uh, never know, man. 
Him and Jeff Gordon could have been covering it up. <laughs> Sorry, I just thought this was a silly little juvenile Twitter thread that was kind of topically funny to the uh, feeble-minded like us. So, <laughs> What did they expect? Uh, I just thought it was kind of silly. It was a little off-brand. It wasn't somebody being overtly angry over the fact, oh, NASCAR, I'm so angry about NAS you know, NASCAR celebrating Pride Month or something like that. But I was just like, I thought it was kind of silly, so I added it. This guy said not gay enough, to be honest, which true. Okay, good enough. But um, I thought it was funny. So that's why I picked left-handed Grandpa 06. Well, it's fun kind of funny because in the South, I know he's from like Arizona or... I think it's from Arizona, right? One of those areas. Western coast area. Yeah, West Coast area. Yeah. yeah. So but anyway, yeah, the South, you know, they, they have marriages as a front, you know, so that they could stay in the closet and then do their gay thing I say. Behind closed doors. <laughs> but yeah, so Well that's why I That's I, kind of a long way around it, I think, in this day and age. Yeah. It kinda of seems like too much effort. Yeah. <laughs> but that's why I picked this, just because I thought it was topically goofy. And I handed the Darf comment of the week this week to left handed grandpa oh six. And his weird bulldog um, face, what the hell they call this, emoji thing. What is that? Avatar. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, I'm not going to say may God have mercy on your soul. Just, you know, just out there having fun. But we're going to end it anyway the same way. Should I even play the song? Just play the song anyway. That's good enough. We got plenty of people who could fit under this, right? <laughs> I think that's going to be... Yeah, we just we had to play it, it anyway. It's just kind of funny. Yeah, we just had to play it anyway. It's not really that bad. I just thought, funny. Yeah, I just thought it was funny. Don't get all mad. All right. More on um, NASCAR and... You should, should I just go into the NASCAR and Pride Month outrage thing? Because that was a news article. That oh, I, I think we call this a... Uh, what do you call it? A, a transition? Yeah, we'll use it as a we transition. We call it a segue. I'll get in into the... the world, a segue. I'll get into the news we missed from last week because we released the show too early, also known as Not So News Later. I'll do that after this. All right, so um, this is going to be kind of a mini rant, but it's not really a rant. It's just a small diatribe that I go into. NASCAR issued a tweet, which, let's be fair, they have before in the past plenty of times, about celebrating Pride Month. And I've seen them on Instagram and stuff, so whatever. It is what it is. Uh, which they have done plenty of times, like I said, and with other holiday months as well, like Black History Month, Women's History Month, Pacific Islander Month. They have all sorts of holidays for all these things. So um, this is nothing new, and it seemingly on cue drew the ire of NASCAR fans who took to Twitter in outrage. Personally, I don't care what you are, who you enjoy the company of, what you look like. As long as you enjoy racing, then have a good time. That's literally what NASCAR is. Okay, go... Fine, go enjoy the races. Don't care. Not doesn't affect me in any way. Uh, I do start to wonder though sometimes, and I need everybody to bear with me here. Um, I'm sorry, I lost my place. Do any of the groups who, when the time comes for their dedicated month of celebration or holiday, etc., do they, as a culture or ethnicity, etc., ever feel like this type of pandering from corporations is really kind of patronizing? <laughs> Oh, should I just talk over it? Absolutely. Okay, cool. Uh, like, it's Pride Month. Yeah, that's pretty fitting. 
And the running joke on Twitter is that these huge companies will change their Twitter bio and logo to be a rainbow or the simile thereof. But the second it's over with, they change back and it's business as usual. It's as if they only care about you as a people, a cause. Jesse's getting me with all these here. All right. Um, it's only as if they care about you as a people, a cause, a culture for when it's most profitable for them because they know that by openly signaling their alleged support, then it makes them look better to the people who support or are part of these groups. It's a way for them to make themselves more socially significant and sell their product to the people who pay attention to the holiday. I don't know. If I was part of one of these groups, cultures, minorities, whatever the case may be, and I saw companies only pushing out support when the time suits them to be the most convenient, then I'd feel like it was really patronizing, like they're using this to sell me their crap. I'm... Um... <laughs> uh. <laughs> Just ignore me. Keep going. I'm sorry. It's just funny. Uh, I'm all for the open and free markets and Look such. All the semen. <laughs> I think there's a cowboy and an Indian too. I don't think they're all semen. Oh, they all have semen, sir. <laughs> We're gonna get canceled. Uh, like I said, uh, I'm all for the open and free markets, but it's just so much better when companies ditch trying to be part of social events like this. And simply focusing on selling us products. That's all. Like that whole Bud Light thing that everybody got all pissed about. Bud Light, albeit it is piss water, used to use funny ad campaigns and clever radio marketing to sell their product. And it was actually kind of enjoyable and funny. But once they wandered into social marketing like that, people flipped. It's because... It's because people see it on social media, the news, sitcoms, everywhere they look, and they get bombarded with social issues when all they want to do is sit down, relax, and drink a beer. Then they get hit with this from their beer company, and they don't want to deal with it, and honestly, who can blame them? But anyway, I prefer companies, or I prefer when companies work to sell a product without going down the social issue road. Just be real and sell us a product and move on. Obviously, they can do what they want, but... That's why people get mad and pissed, and I just find it patronizing to these minority groups. That's all. I figured I would share that with everybody. Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. Finkel. Einhorn. Finkel. Finkel. (laughs) (laughs) Your gun is digging into my hip. Jesus Christ, I forgot about that movie. <laughs> Anybody care to elaborate or join that conversation at all or just leave it at that? The silence is deafening. Uh, well, <laughs> there is this company called uh, BlackRock, which gives companies a credit score. Like, uh, a social like people, credit? Like people get credit scores. Oh, I thought you were talking about like 1984 social credit scores shit. No, not quite to there, but no, BlackRock is uh, was called by, um, what's the guy's name? Uh, Bloomberg, you know, Mayor Bloomberg. Bloomberg that asshole. Mayor. Yeah, he called, BlackRock is called, he called him the fourth branch of the government. 
Oh, wonderful. So these companies get the more the more aligned they are towards quote unquote social change, the more money they're allowed to borrow and spend upon and and ahead of time so that it doesn't, you know, it's all financial. Mm. So they the more credit they get for being part of the, that kind of an agenda, the more money they get to play with. So BlackRock has more money than God. So is that kind of like the World Bank type of deal? Mm, yeah, mm. it's even worse. Oh. But anyway, good. So <laughs> when you have when you have that kind of entity, <laughs> the financial institution of the financial institutions, you kind of have to either play ball and listen, or you don't get any money. So that's what they're up against. All right. That's great. Good to know. <laughs> Crap. All right. We might as well wander back into actual format by by uh, going after the news we missed from last week because we released the show too early, also known as Not-So-News. <sighs> In the least surprising thing, Chase Elliott was suspended for the next race at Gateway, and surprisingly, Corey LaJoy was chosen to replace him. More on that run later. Or lack thereof. Also, I've seen better runs in my shorts. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! All right, and uh, we also have to talk about NASCAR issuing that L three level penalty to Stuart Ost Racing for use of a counterfeit part. I mean, where'd they get that off a of Rock Auto or something? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, and I don't know what it was about. Um, but anyway, it was a fucking nacaduct. Was it? It was a nacaduct. Well, it's outside of the single source supply <laughs> vendor supplied part section. I don't know. You uh, said it was for like a show car or some shit like that. It was a mock part. I thought it was just an old part that they probably just slapped on it because they had it on a shelf. I don't know. No, I guess it was a legitimate. A legitimate counterfeit. That's a fucking oxymoron, but... Oh, you mean an yes, actual counterfeit. Yes, it was counterfeit. a counterfeit. <laughs> but they said that they uh, issued an L3 penalty to the number 14 uh, Ch- Chase Briscoe team for... They docked him 120 points, both driver and owner standings, 25 playoff points should they qualify for the postseason now. Yeah, but who tattled on them? I mean... I'm sure NASCAR... <laughs> Maybe found it. I don't even know. I, I don't know. Was I'm, he even? I don't know how they do that. I mean, it was found at R and D. Yeah, oh, so that's I mean, where they find everything. So yeah, so they yeah they must have got tattletailed on something, or they saw it before because the Chase race. Chase Briscoe's been running. Chase Briscoe's been running fifty third every single week. Hmm. It's not helped him. No, but I'm sure that they did this like they do everything else. They see something they don't like in tech. And then they randomly choose them, which it's not random. They actually just choose them at the end of the race, and then they bring them to R&D Center and then verify what they saw in pre-race tech. That's what they usually do. Why don't you just go to Happy's Crappy-Ass Parts? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they got a better part, and NASCAR was pissed about it. But, yeah, they're going to be fined um, $250,000 for this single infraction as well. And suspension in the next six point races to crew chief Johnny Klausmeyer. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, again, it was section 14.1F, which prohibits counterfeiting next gen single source vendor supplied parts and something about underwing and engine panel assembly. 
Nacoductor single source supplied parts. Tightening, counterfeiting, blah, blah. Who cares? I'm reading through this article from NASCAR real quick. And I just know that uh, Stuart Haas released a statement. They said they had a quality control lapse in a part that should have never been on a car going to the racetrack that ended up on it. We accept their decision and will not appeal. Ouch. He was also, by the way, um, the first driver out of the field following Monday's Coca-Cola 600, just uh, four points behind Alex Bowman on the bubble. So, okay. So that points penalty is going to kill him. He's going to place him 31st in the standings before this Sunday's race. Yeah. He's going to have to win. and Yeah, now he's going to have to win to get in. Good luck. He's going to have to win to get in, and he's going to have to win every round to get to the final. Yeah, because he's going to start at a deficit while in the playoffs if he makes it through. So basically it was like the death penalty. It was like FSU. No, wait, what the hell is that? SMU, the, f- the football team. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not to that level, but, you know. That was Michael Walter Bracing. Oh, Michael Walter Bracing. They got the death penalty. That team pretty much folded after that. Yeah. That was a big one. Jess, why don't we move this on? All right. By the way, I have to talk about this because I forgot to mention it last week. This will be interesting to talk about. This pertained to the Monaco Grand Prix, but this is a little bit different. Yes, I know. I know, but bear with me. <laughs> Adam Stern put this tweet out. Again, this is old news, but it's pertinent to a topic that we've been kind of harping on for a long time. Tweet from Adam Stern. ESPN executive John... Oh, my God. What's his last name? Shukensky? Bless you. S-U-C-H-E-N-S-K-I. Sukensky. Said... ESPN executive John S. said the network is happy to air the Monaco Grand Prix live on ABC for the first time on Sunday, but he also admitted that ESPN would like F1's races to be more exciting amid Red Bull's dominating start to 2023. <laughs> What road do we see this going down, NASCAR? <laughs> Can you guys spice it up a bit? Yeah, we're getting low ratings because you're boring. <laughs> <laughs> What's this sound like? Sounds awful familiar. I don't yeah. know why. Yeah. It's weird. Where did isn't you get it? this idea from? How, do, how dare he? How? <laughs> how dare you? No, this is exactly what happens in NASCAR. They they listen to TV executives because they know nothing about racing. We're, I'm talking about the Steves yeah. because they're in marketing, not in racing. So right. they consult with TV people and they say, oh, it's got to be more entertaining because, you know, television. And so they're like, oh, okay, well, why don't we do all these dumb things that make racing worse? Why don't we just get Michael Bay as the director of operations? Well, did you see the explosions? Well, did you see the pre-race at at gateway for the cup race jesus christ i thought they lit the whole backstretch on fire did you see that <laughs> aren't they in a drought <laughs> it's gonna burn down well it was st louis so there's not much to burn down fair and they are close to the river i think but anyway uh yeah this is exactly like what um nascar is doing they i don't think formula one's going to listen to an american television executive and telling them how to run their business because it's worked this long but this is the problem that nascar is having they listen to them because they're stupid they don't know anything about racing they don't know anything about holding 
a genuine, honest competition. They feel like everything needs to be spiced up to make it more interesting because they feel like if they have any sort of low point in the race, people will turn it off. The problem is, is people tuned in back when it was growing because it was genuine competition, because it was interesting, and they knew that sometimes the races are boring. That just happens. But sometimes the races are amazing. We can't have amazing races every time. Look at Formula One. The Monaco Grand Prix is their most celebrated event, and the guy won by 30 goddamn seconds. There hasn't been a green flag pass for the lead out on track in Monaco since 1996. No, there hasn't. That's an actual statistic as well. That is the most ridiculous stat I've ever heard. It's it's true as well. It is the most ridiculous true stat I've ever heard. It's also the least shocking stat I've ever heard. Yeah, it's it's yeah, you're shocked, but you're not surprised. Well, where's all the passing zones at Monaco if someone doesn't crash or go off? There aren't any. You have to force him into the bay. There's no passing zones. Unless it's raining, there's no passing zones at Monaco. It's too tight and the corners are too sharp. There's no passing. There's no room enough to get enough speed up. If you can get a run out of the last corner, which is like a hairpin, and run all the way down the front straightaway and draft somebody going into turn one, even then that corner is way too sharp to make a pass. It's like you can't pass at Monaco. Anyway. We're not talking about F1. We're just talking about um, media influence on performance, and that's just too much in NASCAR. We have to get away from that. But the only way we're going to get away from that is to put people in power who actually know what racing is and not just marketing. Leave the marketing to the people who try to sell advertising and don't leave race like control or um, competition suggestions to these types of people. It just never works. Moving on. We have to move on because there's... Please. Yeah, thank you. I, I could rant all day about that. That's just not... It's not healthy to keep doing over and over. So I heard a story about how bad everything's already going for Chicago and this new race coming up. Uh, we're going to talk about the Detroit race because that was a new one for IndyCar and that track was absolutely horrific. But we're going to talk about the pitfalls of this NASCAR race going on because there's already garbage happening in the halls of like well government let's say city council etc in chicago and this race hasn't even happened yet i don't even know when this race is when is it it's got to be coming up pretty soon july 4th are you serious we're going to chicago in the streets nothing spells america like july 4th weekend well there's plenty of gunfire it'll sound like fireworks yeah um, they, they're talking about street closures in and around Grant Park, and they already started like June 2nd. And that's like a month's worth of street closures for a NASCAR race. And city councils and aldermen and all these other people are like getting together and trying to talk about, it's like all the, the road closures and the frustration that's surrounding it. And it's like, well, yeah, you guys already agreed to this shit. And now you're having like, all these issues and problems that you were already told about if you were paying attention. If you didn't want that to happen, then maybe you should have voted it down in your city council garbage. Now they're having all these issues with it, and it's like, well, what the hell? You know, 
This uh, Alderman Daniel Laspada, he says, uh, he says he he feels like for all the frustration, I think that it is in Chicago uh, around these races, it feels like a conversation that city council deserves to bring to the table. And a meeting is tentatively scheduled for three weeks before the two races. It's going to impact how these people get around downtown for weeks. It's our responsibility as elected officials to bring oversight to this. Well, you probably should have thought about that when it was being discussed and organized in the first place. You wonder why a lot of these major cities are in such disarray and it's shit like this. It's like, you got to be kidding me. It's just raise taxes. That works for everything. Yeah, it's it'll save the environment. It'll uh, stop homelessness. It'll stop drugs. Oh, wait. It, <laughs> because it's going to bang up jobs so far, right? But Perfect. They said last, it was first announced last summer by former Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Thank God Beetlejuice is out of the public light because she is a very tough watch. Um, the race has drawn criticism from all the persons representing the downtown district. I'm like, well, why weren't you really aware of this ahead of time or even involved in the process? That's kind of, uh, I don't know. The, who's this Johnson person I keep seeing? Uh, a spokesperson for Johnson. Who the hell is his name? Sorry, I'm just kind of reading off the seat of my pants here. Some older person, Johnson, I have no idea who the hell it is, but uh, they said that, now i got to find my damn place again. <laughs> Johnson? Yeah, this is Johnson. Agent yeah. Johnson reporting in, sir. Hey, That's, can, yeah, I think it's a fake name. Yeah, can you they said that, send Johnson over there. Roger that, Johnson. Yeah, he would, he would uh, I'm sorry. He. I keep losing my place because I keep seeing things that I want to read. He said he would review the city's contract with NASCAR and potentially nix the deal after this year, the first of a three-year contract with two one-year extensions possible with NASCAR, obviously. You can't do that. That's yeah, a contract. You, you have to pay. Yeah, you're going to pay a lot of money. I think NASCAR might have weaseled their way into doing this just to get the money. <laughs> That's 4D chess. I don't know about it that. It might be. I don't know. You never know. These guys are more real estate brokers and, and you know, it sounds like something they would try and pull off. Well, I mean, you're also talking about people who are selling racetracks off and just taking the money based on the value that's increased in the land, i.e. Chicago land. So if these older people are against the racing, does that make them racists? Be more funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, a NASCAR spokesperson said the company is awaiting more details on the proposed hearing without confirming whether officials would attend. But the statement said uh, they had over, attended over 150 meetings and is committed to meeting with any groups with questions or concerns about the logistics of the race weekend. Well, you shouldn't have signed a freaking contract to hold a race that's going to block off a whole shitload of roads in downtown if you didn't want it. Jesus Christ. I didn't know it would actually affect me. <laughs> okay. I'm, Gotta love it. Yeah, traffic disruption caused by the preparation of the race will begin June 2nd, like I said, when parking restrictions along Columbus Avenue, which cuts through the center of Grant Park, from Jackson to Balbo, will take effect for the construction of temporary grandstands. A week later, Ida B. Wells Drive, and I don't know any of these roads, but I'm just kind of saying it right now. NASCAR is selling tickets starting at $465 for general admission. And luxury packages begin at an eye-watering 
$3,337. I don't know how they came up with that number. God, Maybe they close to Formula One money. Mm-hmm. Wow. And the race is going to suck ass. No, so. Jesus Christ. Thank you to uh, archive.is for giving me this article. <laughs> getting around the paywall. Yeah, getting around the paywall on that article because I'm not paying for that pile of shit. <laughs> no. Boy, should you? And I'm not going to disable my ad blocker either. That article was terrible. Anyway. All right. Why don't we move into some local stuff? Because uh, we had some local racing actually take. uh, Yeah, if you ever want it to rain, open the gates up on Saturday. I mean, on Stafford Motor Speedway. Yeah, just say we are (laughs) going to race. We're going to race on Friday. Oh, and it rained. We haven't had rain for a long ass time. Like a month. And now all of a sudden. Always on a Friday. It's yeah. Always on a friggin' Friday. That sucks. It either threatens or it does. I think this is only the first rain out of the year, though, to be fair. so. Well, yeah, but, I mean, they've had some bad years, but no, unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, I, I actually am slated, I believe, if I check my uh, text messages, June 9th. That's this, that's this Friday, right? Yeah, it looks like it. Looks like I am going to be filming at Stafford and helping out their crew on the uh, pit road, probably camera. I'm usually down there anyway, so I'm used to it. But that'll be okay. I get my first shot at that this year, and um, I don't want to say it right now, but there might be there might be an opportunity for more filming at Waterford. And I'm looking at Wednesday night competitors if there can be some sponsorship put together. So just keep that in the back of your hat. Okay? It's all it's on the table. Yeah. Let's see if we can get some sponsors going. And uh maybe we can do that for you guys too. All right. Anyway, Waterford, speak of the devil. They actually got some races in because uh it didn't rain on Saturday, luckily. And uh actually I, I'm wrong because it actually <laughs> rained out at Seekonk on Saturday, but it didn't rain out at Waterford on Saturday. I do have a rainout report from our Seekonk correspondent, Sean Miner, that I will read at the end of the Speed Bowl updates, but I got to get through those first in order to get to those. So anyway, Speed Bowl. I didn't do these in order. I just did them in order of how I saw them as the videos came out on Speed Bowl History's YouTube channel. If you have not seen that, that is an offshoot of Sid's View, and they film weekly events at the Speed Bowl. Just videotape them. You won't see a lot. You won't see any in-car cameras or stuff. It's a single camera shoot, but you do get the races a day afterwards. Or actually, I think yeah, it is pretty much a day afterwards. I think Sid just puts them right up. So anyway, I watched them in this order: Street Stocks. You said videotape too, Boomer. Whatever, dude. <laughs> we don't tape anymore. <laughs> Video it's, capture. It's, yeah, what am I going to call it? I know, right? It just doesn't sound right, does it? Should I just say record? Yeah. Video? Video in bed. I don't know. We video carded. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That's so weird. What do you call it? Sorry, I, I took you off topic. So your first race is the Street Stocks. I watched the Street Stocks first. I don't even know if they were out first or not, but that's what I watched first, damn it. Yeah, because the Street Stocks are always more interesting. Yeah. Uh, race went green until about four to go with Ed Gertz leading the way for the most part. But then it started to get interesting. Corey Fanning was in the regular Aaron Plemons 67 car, the dark car, not the, not the white car. 
and started seventh, but he made his way up to second on the final restart. Fanning would find a gap in behind Gurch on the restart into turn one and immediately shoot to the bottom and take the lead away. Uh, another yellow with two to go. I think that was with like five to go. Oh, it was four to go. Okay, I did mention that. And then another yellow with two to go would pit Fanning against Sean Gadecki. Gadecki would roll the restart about a half car ahead of the leader, and that allowed him to pull even with Fanning on the restart. But Fanning would finally shut him off on the last lap and cruise to victory in a fill-in roll. Now, why was he filling in? I think Aaron might have got a week off. Okay. For um, I don't I I haven't heard any reports. I haven't heard a damn thing. So this is all speculation. But I believe it might have been crew interactions post race. I'm not sure. That's all I'm going to speculate at. Yeah, don't know what happened, but it was some post race activity because Gersh didn't get the week off, but Aaron did. The, the way it works at local tracks is if your crew acts a fool, you can get the week off. The driver is responsible for the crew member. That's right. what the yeah, that's what the law is. And it always has been. So, so just I'm just going to say it was probably some kind of crew interference which gave Aaron the week off. I don't think he took it off out of spite. Let's just put it that way. No, and and you know something because the car was there. Why would it be there without him? You know, you know it's yeah. What I I don't have a dog in a fight. I have yeah, I have actually either. all three of them. I have are in a fight because I like all three guys. Yeah, uh, uh, Gertz and Aaron and 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 uh, Corey. Yeah, you know, and and you know what happened happened. Yeah, and so okay, they did what they did, and then uh, Corey. He said in the victory lane, he said he moved them without, quote, wrecking them. I mean, Aaron wasn't a wreck, but he spun out. But Well, I mean, a guy out, you can call it I mean, whatever. I mean, but, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. He did, I mean, he's right. He, he did show him how to move him, how, you know. The point I have is is that I I would say, you know what, let's just call it even and and not escalate to anything more. I yeah, mean, it'd be there's re- There's not a daisy among any of them. They're all three really good drivers, and I don't need to be delivering parts to Aaron Plemons' house on a Saturday, uh, you know, car parts because they got wrecked or anything like that. So No, it's... it's uh, or the same thing for the UPS driver for Gertz, and the same thing for, you know, for everything. I don't... We don't need that. So I say, I just hope they could come to terms eventually and... Be reasonable to be so. yeah it should be over by now so. i mean it's you know, i hope so i hope so let's just let this thing die and keep racing you can just it's not i mean you're not gonna forget but at the same time it's not worth wasting your time on at this point because has enough blood been shed nobody got wrecked you know what i mean nobody got crashed yeah i mean it was it was a ill-advised idea that turned into a snowball effect and led to somebody getting, you know, spun out and suspended probably or taken out for a week or whatever the case may be. But, again, it should be over with. That's it. Done. Hope so. We're done here. You know. So, anyway. All right. I'll move on into minis because this this was kind of an interesting race. We had uh, – I got to give props right away to Papa Nick, Nick Papakota. I think it was running. Dude. That thing's been running all year. I don't know what they put I into it. I think it's been but running. Yeah, whatever they got going on in his car, it's working. 
and uh, he's been quick. I mean, we had Charlie Canfield and Tommy Silva, who are perennial front runners, and they were on the front row. Papakota got by Silva and was challenging Canfield for the lead before the caution flew. That's not something we say very often. No, not at all. Yeah, um, all they say, you know, right before right before they expire, cars run faster, and maybe it applies to humans too. I hope he's not going to expire soon. But <laughs> goddamn, he's running fast. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jesse! <laughs> I wasn't going that direction. I, I, but... hope, I hope not. I, I'm just saying this shit just got dark. <laughs> I need a flashlight. It's getting dark. <laughs> it's so dark in here. We yeah. need lights. But yeah, he's been running good. So. Yeah, definitely. But uh, he was battling again a few laps later when a caution flew yet again. Uh, the third restart, it would bottle up a little bit in contact between John Bavalaco and it looked like David Dorr, I couldn't tell, uh, would put Dorr in the infield and Bavalaco to the back. Uh, Silva would encounter some kind of problem and drop out of the race, leaving Chris Garside the lone car to start challenging Canfield for the lead. Uh, just as Garside would get side-by-side -side with Canfield for the lead, uh, John Pavalaco, rough day continued, he would cut a tire and come to a stop, bringing out another caution. I think they might have even penalized him a lap for bringing out an intentional yellow. Not too sure. I'd have to look that up. Uh, let's see here. Garside would eventually get by Canfield late and drag Joe Bavalaco with him, who came back in his familiar 20 car, and he was strong right away. Uh, he'd taken a little bit of time off, and now he's back, which is cool. We need more mini stocks out there. Uh, he'd drag him into second. Restart would come with five to go after another caution. Uh, had Door again looping into turn one, but nobody would hit him, and they would restart yet again. The battle between Garside and Joe Bavalaco got physical as Bavalaco would really hold Garside super tight to the bottom. There was a bit of body contact, but it didn't work out for him as he would get crossed up and Garside would get away and win his second mini stock race in a row. And he doesn't look excited when he wins. I'd be all sorts of he amped he, up. He wins all the time now. He's he's the favorite. Now he's all sorts of big league. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I bet you if you ask him, he still says he sucks. Oh, more than likely, yeah. I think I, I think he did tell me that when we were at uh, the test session there that couple of weeks ago. And, I'm, and then he goes out and wins two races in a row. I'm like, okay. By the way, the winners from the street stock and mini stock races both started seventh. So they had to start at least mid-pack. Well, hmm. yeah, probably mid-pack because car counts have been a little low. Let's be fair. That sucks, but... Well, yeah, these two guys in particular are starting to figure out the high line. Yeah. Which M modifies Mini stocks are starting to kind of gain some steam a little bit, too, to me. What do you mean? Just got some interesting battles. You get Canfield all the time up front. Bavalaco's up front again now. Got another Bavalaco coming back who's also fast. G-sides rolling fast all the time. Mm-hmm. Roy is it's usually just, halfway decent if he doesn't get wrecked. Yeah, it's just nice to see something happening in the mini stocks again instead of oh, it's just Kenny Cassidy this week. I um, as much as I love Kenny Cassidy. By the way, uh, speaking of Kennedy, uh, Kenny, I mean, geez, I can't even love speak. Kenny. He's Kenny is the man. I grew up with Kenny. We've been through a lot. Um, he's the man. Dude. He is the man. 
Uh, you want to talk somebody with natural talent, you're talking about Kenny Cassidy and uh, Ray Christian. And I mean, I mean, guys who just got into race cars and started winning immediately. Uh, I saw a picture from Kenny. He posted something on his Facebook holding a steering wheel, an MPI wheel. There was a race car in the background and it was colored black and it had some neon green letters in the interior. Don't know what it was, but it looked like it was pretty ready or at least close. So I'm really hoping we get to see the Cassidy come back. Maybe he brought his old car for Jeremy. You never know. Uh, it would be nice to see Kenny come back. We missed the guy around the track. I've seen him. He comes to watch, but it's be nice to see him back out there. I mean, you're talking about a guy who stuck in his wheelhouse because that's all they could afford, right? And they could only afford to go mini stock racing. People would be like, oh, well, why don't you go to a late model or go do something else? He's like, we can't do it. We can't afford it. You're talking about a team who used to set their car up with blocks in their garage, ride height blocks. The old school way. Yeah, they used to have the car set up. It has to sit on all four of these blocks while on at ride height. And if it's not there, you adjust it until it is. And then you send it out on the racetrack. And he'd win constantly with that. They didn't even have scales, for God's sakes. And the guy won, I don't know how many championships. How many did he win? Six, seven? I don't even remember. I don't know. I don't have it. I don't have speedball history. <laughs> he won a ton of titles in mini stocks, tons of races. Then he gets a ride in a truck, which is a completely different animal. It's basically a top heavy G chassis late model. And he gets in that, immediately wins races, wins two titles off the bat, and loses his ride. <laughs> two straight titles, bunch of races, and then loses his ride. And it's like, well, God damn. <laughs> Let's get the guy back here. You know, we got we to gotta have him back. He's a staple of the Speed Bowl in the last few decades, I should say. And it would just be nice to see him come back. And I think that maybe you're going to. So, fingers crossed. But I also need to mention the incident that happened post-racing. That happened to mini-stock competitor Bill Sylvia. Uh, he was coming home after the races, driving his truck and trailer... Uh, when his truck had a blowout of one of its rear tires, the truck spun on the highway with the trailer attached, uh, impacted the guardrail, totaled the truck. Bill's okay. He is okay. Uh, totaled the truck, scattered all his parts and tools. Car became dislodged from the trailer on 395 in Uncasville. Um, like I said, Bill was unhurt but in, in the incident, but it sucks to see a local racer lose their equipment in that manner. Lost a truck, lost a bunch of tools, he said. He doesn't, I don't think they got them all picked up from the road. They probably went off the median. You know, the car was damaged from hitting the guardrail after coming off the trailer and stuff. And just an absolute mess, and it sucks. It just genuinely sucks for him. So I hope he can at least get a little support from the community and keep going with his, his favorite hobby. I know he's had some hard times and hard luck as a person. And uh, hopefully he can bounce back from this one. Maybe people can help him out. That would be nice. Be nice to see if we could do that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, moving on. We had trucks. All right. This one's going to have some opinion in it. And um, I apologize ahead of time, but we got to roll through it. Ed Ryan got out front quickly after being caught up in an incident last week, and he just ran away. Um, there was a little minor bit of... I'll just say a little minor bit of 
drama on the uh, Facebooks between him and Kyle Giro from last week's incident where Giro hooked him into the backstretch wall with the right rear. Giro claims that he was sideways and trying to save the truck and drifted down the racetrack and got him. I don't know what the truth is. I didn't have the right viewpoint to see it. Didn't have any in-car cameras on him or any that worked. And um, I'm just, I don't know. They're just trying to squash the beef. I would like to see them squash it. We don't need cars getting wrecked. We need as many as we can get. So let's just chill out. So anyway, the only action in this one was the battle for second between uh, Andy Pellegrini, Randy Burr, and Brody Monahan. Burr would get by Pellegrini, but a caution for a two-truck spin would tighten the field up with five laps to go. Monahan would then get by Pellegrini, and the finish would be unofficially uh, Ed Ryan winning, Randy Burr second, and Brody Monahan third. Okay, however, in post-race inspection, Ed Ryan and Randy Burr would both be disqualified from the running order for different reasons. Allegedly, Ryan would be disqualified for an illegal harmonic balancer, and Burr would be allegedly found to have gears removed from his transmission. After consulting with the rule book, uh, I actually dug through it, and I, I, I questioned people about what the combination was in Ed's truck, and I consulted the rule book and found a section that explains if you have a built motor, which there are a few options for that, Jess. <laughs> You can run any balancer, like harmonic balancer, and flywheel combo that you want. But if you run a crate engine, they have to be unaltered. Now, I'd heard from people close to the Ryan team that stated that he got thrown out for a harmonic balancer that was undersized. Now, he also claims that that balancer was on the engine when purchased from Speedway Motors. Personally, I don't believe it. And the reason for that is because every single crate engine that's mass-produced by GM, whether it be 602, 604, or even the defunct 603, has an 8-inch balancer. All of them. And there's no options available from... Don't they have a parts list, too? They do have a parts list. They come with the parts list as well. That's on the book. Yeah. Um, and from Speedway Motors, even if you get the IMCA sealed engines, they don't change anything. They don't change the balancers. So, I'm, again, if, I hate doing it to you, but if you purchase the engine from somebody else and the balancer was on there and you didn't know, just admit that. If you changed it, admit it. But again... All crate engines come with an 8-inch balancer, bar none. Nobody changes them. And it's not like they took a 6-inch balancer off a 327 Corvette engine and put that on there like we used to do with our built motors until they changed the rule and told us we have to run at least 6 and 3 quarter or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. At least a 6 and 3 quarter balancer at minimum. Yeah. Then I kind of doubt it. So, again, I hate to I hate to put people on blast, but... I've been thrown out for stuff before. I admitted it because I didn't have any hand in it, and I knew that I, I trusted the tech inspectors for their their work because it was honest and it was actual to the rules. So it's like, just eat it. Anyway, let's go to late models. 
I don't want to be in trouble with anybody, but a spade's a spade. Late model. Last week's winner of the extra distance race, Ray Christian third. Oh, I caught, oh damn it. I, I caught Jesse asleep. I was asleep at the wheel. <laughs> I should have known. <laughs> Never gets old. If we mention a third, you're getting the Lion King because it's the circle of life. You all have the same name. It's a legacy. Uh, It's about your legacy. It's about your legacy. He started- The pride demands it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He started fourth and was to the lead by about the second lap. Uh, Joey LeMay would spin and bring out a yellow at about the one-third mark. And it went green from there pretty much as nobody so much as challenged Christian at all as he went on for back-to-back wins and never even mentioned me or my ability to change valve springs or set valve adjustment in victory lane. So thanks a lot, buddy. Uh, I'm I'm joking. He thanked me in the shop, so it's all good. I don't care. (laughs) It's not like I pay his bills. Let's be fair. I helped by volunteering. Anyway. Uh, let's move on to the SKs. I did really nothing, let's be fair. SK- this aggression will not stand, man. <laughs> Take it down a notch. I know you're mad. Uh, not even a thanks to you. No, he did. He thanked me in person at his shop. Calm down, Brent. Hey, let's see. SKs, a grand total of 11 cars took the green in this one, and I put in my notes a sign of uncontrolled rising costs, question mark. Who knows? Anyway, Paulie Buzel held the lead strong for a while with top contenders Eric Burnt and Timmy Jordan trailing close behind. Caution flew with 19 to go, and Burnt was able to use a good restart from the top side to take the lead. And Caution flew a lap later when Adam Gaeta got shoved up out of the groove, and he made contact with the turn two wall, ending his night. Tim Jordan and Anthony Flannery would try to split Buzel on both sides. And Flannery would end up hard in the turn four wall, and he would express his displeasure with one of the drivers, but not get close enough for me to see which one he was mad at. And I watched the replay, and I'm like, well, bro, you're the third car high, three wide. Maybe you should have backed out. But anyway, uh, <laughs> caution would fly as Buzel and J- John Puglio, uh, he they'd get together off of turn two with five to go, come to a stop. Ensuing restart, Billy Anderson would catch the turn one wall hard off the restart, so no laps complete. Eric Brent would hold off Timmy Jordan and his team car, the Clone Mobile, driven by Stephen Kopsick to pick up another win at the Speed Bowl. I think that was like two in a row. I have to look back, but it doesn't matter. Seekonk. I actually have some notes from our Seekonk correspondent, Sean Miner. We can go through those. Even though they did rain out, he does have something to say about it. Let me go pull that up right now. All right. Seekonk rain out report with Sean Miner, our Seekonk correspondent. All right. Seekonk's, and he quote, let me quote him. Seekonk's rain out provided controversy, which comes as a surprise to no one. Attendance was lower than I've seen for a while, especially with the American Canadian tour in town. I'm personally, this is me talking. Personally, I'm thinking that because of the threatening rain, people didn't show up because that's par for the course. Race fans typically don't show out for races if they think it's going to rain. So you'll see a lot of empty seats and absent people. 
whenever the rain is in the forecast. Nah. So that's just kind of par for the course. All right. So back to Sean here. Uh, I'm talking, quote, am I here for a race or is this open practice low? Ooh, geez, that's a lot less people than I figured. A crummy cold day, well, there you go right there, was topped off with a light mist that arrived just at the uh, first heat race was scheduled to start. The sport trucks ran about 10 pace laps and the drivers deemed the track good to go. They finished their heat without incident. Then the rain came. A brief shower with nothing appearing on the radar. That's the worst resulted in them losing the track. About a half hour into the safety truck parade, very exciting, by the way, it stopped raining, but the mist returned, resulting in them postponing the event. While I understand how frustrating it must be from the track's perspective, the sun was out when I pulled into my driveway 10 minutes away from the track, and it didn't rain for the rest of the night. It probably would have taken another hour to dry the track, which would have put us at starting heat races at 830 which I understand is not ideal. No, it's not Florida. We can't do that. Or you just pull the plug on all heat races. But No, Seacock's right in the middle of civilization. Yeah, it's not great. It's, it's not a great not idea. Good. Even starting features past 830 is kind of bad. Uh, regardless, the decision to pull the plug led to bickering on social media. Surprising, right? Yeah, no kidding. That's Stafford. Yeah, weird. Never happens that way. From fans claiming that the track postponed the event due to low attendance. It was a $10,000 to win show, and even at $28 a ticket, I doubt they they came close to covering the purse. The ACT will make up the event on August 19th. That was your Seekonk rainout report with our Seekonk correspondent, Sean Miner. Yeah, that's tough. Um... And like I said, usually if there's rain anywhere even close to in the forecast, people don't show out for outdoor events, no matter what yeah. they are. Yeah, who knows? I mean, if they raced, car- if they ran cars, it could have rained anyway. With the- it was that unpredictable, right? So, oh well. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I mean, Seekonk is kind of stepping on their own tails lately with their judgments or lapses in judgment that they've had with rules and other different types of calls around racing uh, and the fact that they still do um, playoff-type points formats, and I just can't stand that. I mean, again, you got to give people traditional racing for them to be, or at least purists, to be interested in this in any way. So It doesn't work when, no, it when just, racing is optional, when you don't have a charter. No, it does not work that way. Yeah. But, I mean, even... and. A late model race for twenty eight bucks a ticket. That's a lot. That is a lot. So anyway. Have you guys heard about this Cooper this uh Cobra not Cooper duh? <laughs> I'm so used to saying Exa- it as, yeah, exactly. a, as the model number, but yeah. it's a goddamn new Cobra tire. Cobra. Yeah. It's going around everywhere. I've heard a lot about like inklings here and there about this new tire company, but I'm very anxious to actually see what they're all about and what they're like. They were a go-kart tire company for a long time. Yeah, we're talking about Cobra Tire. Now, this is a uh, tire company. Again, Phil, Phil alluded to it. It is mostly a Yeah, they're from go-kart. Georgia. Yeah, they're mostly a go-kart tire company, but they're starting to branch out into big car tires. Yeah, so far they have one model, one size really, which is a a ten inch tire, mm-hmm. uh, you know, thick sidewall, you know, bias ply, of course. Mm-hmm. 
but they it's like a it's like a late model type tire like a pro super late model type tire it's a 10 inch tire yeah so far they have two tracks right now that used to be hoosier tracks Mm -hmm. they have a track up in michigan and one in south carolina Um, yeah this guy billy gates he said that they don't have any he's saved 27 2400 dollars saved just from just from switching tires yeah and wow they run the same lap times pretty much uh from when from when he bolted them on to week four he's run four weeks and wow. he's within tents he's top five every week wins once in a while who's your no track like- will sell those well <laughs> i mean that's a good point but uh when racers stop showing up what are your options then Track owners don't have that much foresight. <laughs> Damn it, Bill. I mean, Phil, stop using logic. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? They live in the moment. They're like, give me all the money now. <laughs> they really rubbed their hands together. Well, the whole, I enjoy the entire concept and business modeling that Cobra Tires has. They're, they've come out and said quite publicly that. If tires get to be too expensive, racers aren't going to buy tires. And if racers aren't buying tires, that means they're not racing. So you're not going to make any money if they leave racing. Why not make a tire that lasts that, I mean, it's racing. You're going to be buying tires anyway. You'll cut one. You'll wear them out eventually. They're a small company. They make tires that seemingly last. And they said... You know, if you can bring interest back without costing people a whole ton of money, they're still going to have to buy your tires anyway. Just they're not going to buy them in such frequency that it bankrupts them. Now they're going to be buying tires when they need them. They're still going to be getting income, but there's going to be more racers because it's lowering costs for overhead and usage. So it's like, well, yeah, I mean... That's kind of what American Racer used to do. They used to just sell you a good tire, and when you need one, you buy one. Well, yeah, they're, 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 uh, what they said was that they say, oh, well, if costs are down, that means fuller fields. Fuller fields means they can bring more people to the grandstands. More people to the grandstands equals more hot dog sales, which also equals more a, beer lot, sales. a lot more <laughs> beer sales, which yeah. also means a lot more money for uh, racetracks owners. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. these guys just make a good tire. Everyone lasts. wins. Everyone gets fat. Yeah. Everyone wins. They Their business expands. Win-win. There's no issue here. I saw a... Uh, yeah. I You've s- never been to Florida. And how's Florida racing doing? <laughs> Terrible. Exactly. Thank you. They, they, they've run 350 laps on a 3 8 mile track. With very little tire fall off whatsoever. Yeah. They, yeah. Uh, uh, this is according to uh, this is according to the Johnson City Press. Where is that from? Michigan. Ten- Michigan. Okay. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think no. This is probably. Uh, Where's Kingsport? No, this is Kentucky. Excuse me. This is Kentucky. Tennessee. Tennessee or yeah, one of those southern states. Mm. Who knows? Shut up, Kay. <laughs> Cat's yelling in the background. Yeah, so 
Uh, yeah, they use a something called a more natural. They obviously are not going to give away the Colonel's recipe. Obviously not. But it says some kind of a more natural rubber compound, a unique natural kind of rubber compound, which doesn't have the you don't have the rip off speed of a Hoosier tire when you first bolt them on, but you also don't have the fall off. So I'm sure it's already brought, been on the attention of uh, the big tire companies. So I'm sure, after, especially after losing two racetracks. And I don't know. I kind of like to see this thing. It makes my capitalist heart beat uh, very proudly. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see something like that. We need more competition. We need better they're parts de- manufacturers. What, they're, the developing biggest... a, they're developing a mini stock tire. You said they're six to eight weeks out for a mini stock tire. Hey, that's not bad. And, and they're also got a few other types, even dirt cars. Yeah. Are on the radar for very soon release. Well, if you have the manufacturing means, then you can come up with designs pretty easily. Um, yeah, the one they have right now, Phil, I'll give you some technical info. Um, it's a 2710-15 tire. It is... It's units of cheeseburgers per freedom. Yes. Uh, Super late model tire. Yeah, it's a 62 durometer when new. It drops to 52 when they heat up. It's got an 84-inch rollout. Hundred and seventy nine bucks a tire, and we've already told you how durable they are. Yeah, that guy that runs that, well, it's called the template lay model. The track up in Michigan that that guy posts that's been spread around. Yeah, yeah, they run on a ten inch tire on an eight inch rim. Yeah, they run them on street stocks and late models. Yeah, the street stock tires have eight inch rims too. Same tire, same everything. Yeah, so you get For a little same more track. You get a little more sidewall flex. The cars slide around a little bit, but you're on the same tire. So yeah, seven hundred dollars for a set of tires. Super late model type tires, and they don't fall off over four weeks of racing, like four features. The guy's gonna run them next week too. He said he's gonna run <laughs> he's them. Gonna go he, them again. Yeah, he's gonna go till they pop. Go till they. How fall long off. are the features? Oh, who knows? He ran a hundred and something lap race with them. Yeah, they said they've put three hundred and fifty laps on them, and then they're not falling off. Yeah, he ran a feature that was. I like mean, a- I'd love to see him. I'd love to try him, even though I, I don't think. My class is on the right tire. I think we need to be on an eight-inch treaded tire. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, <laughs> hell, if they last that long, how long are they going to last on our cars? Yeah, one of the late races that he was racing at was 110 laps. Yeah, and he said it didn't fall off. Ah, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, and he said he's not even soaking them. Which, I'll, oh, I'll, we I'll, can, I'll, I'll, let's I'll get into them. that. I'll give him that, and, and yeah, let's get that. into that because this is fun. Cobra Racers, let's talk about pre-race tire preparation for a moment. This is the company, by the way. The, the company, company, February nineteenth, twenty twenty-two. Yeah, they put out this memo. This is probably for. Uh, this is for probably go kart tires. Yeah, but, yeah, for the go kart brand. But he's talking about how they. Yeah, don't bother using hot lap inside the tire because. You're just going to make a mess. It's just going to be yeah, there. Yeah, they don't work very well. What you should do is you should have, if your tire needs to be softened from, from Cobra Racing. Quote, this is from the company. Quote, use a 50-50 mixture of xylene and tuline to soften a rubber. Uh, this brand what, named. I don't know what goat P is. I think it's a brand of soak. Goat, the letter P. I don't know that brand. I never heard of that. Whatever that is, I don't it's go kart stuff. Yeah, it's go kart softener shit. Okay, it's commonly used to soften tires, but it is harsh and will shorten the tire's life. Mm-hmm. 
Xylene and Tuline will soften the tire, but will use a durometer to monitor the tire's hardness. Yeah, you want to do that. Yeah, so it was, just, <laughs> it was just one of those things where it's just like if, there are a lot of really good preps on the market that will add bite if you need it, but when using an aggressive prep, either mix it with another prep or cut it 50-50 with Acrosol to lessen the strength or the tire may become greasy. They're telling you how to soak tires. They're and they're you telling you how to you soak how to s- their own tires. Yeah, they're they're teaching you how to soak their own tires to make them last longer and be set faster. Your, if you're new to the Cobra, <laughs> set your chassis up to run a little bit more cross rate, one to one and a half percent more than what you have used in the past. Usually another pound of air will help as well. Lastly, don't roll any prep inside the Cobras, just in case we didn't mention that. Not to mention the sniffer will tell you, but, you know, <laughs> not that I know anything about it. I just it. find it kind of funny that you can soak go-kart tires, but, like, when it comes to big cars, it's illegal. <laughs> and the DEP will come and throw you in prison. It's probably more insurances and more go-kart tracks or, like, backyard hillbilly shitholes. Yeah, they tell you not to do it, but the only reason they tell you not to do it <laughs> is because they want you to buy more tires. That's the track That's talking. Funny. That's funny. I'm sorry, but I think it's funny that tire manufacturers telling you how to soak tires. <laughs> but that's, that's really funny. Cool. I like that. But yeah, I'm really interested to see what these guys come up with. But, you know, with... I hate the tires that we run. I hate Hoosier Tire. I'll just put that out there right now. I think they're garbage tires that are just made to wear out and you buy more of them. Planned obsolescence, Brent. It is planned obsolescence. It is trash. But I'm I'm very interested to see because that's a big problem in racing, especially local racing right now, is that uh, part manufacturers, they make the parts that racers want. Racers cry and bitch about trying to get them. Then they get them through sheer force of will and, you know, trying to bully their way through the tech, the tech staff to get the rules changed. And then it costs the drivers even more and more and more, and it snowballs out of control. But... You know, to see somebody trying to keep costs down who's a distributor of those types of things, well, it's a refreshing take on, um, well, what's been going on lately. So I know Hoosier sells tires to, just to sell tires. These guys are selling tires to try to help racers save money, which is a completely different concept. And sell tires. And sell tires at the same time. That's their business model, and it's very free market. Yes, I agree. All right, I had to take a quick break right there. But anyway, we can move on into some national crap if you guys are interested. <laughs> crap. <laughs> anyway, uh, I wanted to talk about, I actually took notes about the IndyCar race because they have a new, tr- is it a new track at Detroit? This is a new it's thing, Bell right? Isle. It's not Belle Isle. It's yeah, they, they downtown. Got, why did they get rid of Belle Isle again? I don't even remember why. Like, what was the deal there? I don't know. Logistics. I don't know what the hell it was, but they they don't race it. Whatever it is, I forget where it is exactly. But um, they've got this new track, and it is trash. (laughs) It is straight garbage. Like it looks like they took the section of Detroit that nobody lives in anymore, and they made a track out of it. Because you looked at the amazing scenery around this racetrack, and it was literally. All parking garages. I'm like, this is amazing. Wow, Detroit is so scenic and picturesque. This is- Ken, Ken Block did Jim Kana, all of them in better better uh, places than that. And most of them were abandoned. 
There's patchwork on the roads that wasn't really good. It was kind of like Brent's road. Yeah, I live on a dirt road, for yeah. God's sakes. And uh, there's barbed wire on the fence. and <laughs> The catch guard. fencing had barbed wire, yeah. Yeah, yeah the armed guard, guards, like a... Like, guard towers out there. <laughs> like a prison. German like, shepherds out on chains. Like, we're talking about the Chicago race being bad. This was like the Chicago race, if you found it on Wish. Like, this was <laughs> bad. Kind of ugly looking. <laughs> like, the track is too narrow. There's zero grip. Bumpy. It's way too bumpy. Drivers complained about the track being more like a rental go-kart track instead of a professional racetrack. Like, it was horrible. It's gnarly, bro. This I think a that's a fair comparison from what I saw. Yeah, I mean, if you watched it, you're watching indie cars bounce like basketballs down the racetrack. It was awful. <laughs> Pato yeah. Awards said it was gnarly. It's gnarly, bro. That's a great quote. Uh, let's see. Toronto-like surfaces, less room than Long Beach, no curbs. And walls. Oh, and walls. There's a bit of Nashville in it. Yeah, Breaking just... is very bumpy. There's asphalt and concrete everywhere. So It's, going... it's just a really bad city street. The cars are crashing as they go forward. Yeah. And not hitting anybody. Yeah. To give you a good good idea of how this was going to go, they wouldn't even make it to turn one. They go from the greatest racetrack in the world to Detroit. What a contrast. <laughs> Not even good Detroit. Oh, there is no real good Detroit. What a contrast. Uh, this was like abandoned, abandoned Detroit. The only thing that they had that was cool was they had that split pit road thing where they had pit on either side of the road. So you had pits on the right and the left, and everybody came down the middle. But it was really wide, and they could go down the middle, and there was a line painted down the middle so that they had an idea of where the lane was. But it made pit road like half as long, which was cool. So that was an interesting thing. That was actually pretty cool. Yeah, that was cool. But the rest of the racetrack, uh, not so great. Yeah. Uh, Like I said, they wouldn't even make it to turn one under green. When Callum Eilat would run over Kyle Kirkwood and bring out a full course caution, so that set the tone pretty much immediately, and it was almost kind of entertaining to watch because they could easily overshoot a corner and smash into the wall, which a lot of them did, but they couldn't really put power down either, so they had to be real judicious with the throttle and try to meter out as much power as they could when they get to take off. So it was. Kind of a race of skill, but also kind of a race of luck so that you don't hit a bump and smash into a wall, I guess. But anyway, uh, lap 35, let's go to there. During pit stops, Pato Award was leading as the cycle started, but his crew left the left rear tire loose, leaving his pit, and he lost forward drive. They had to go retrieve the car, fix the tire, and, and put it back on properly. So his race was... Almost essentially over, uh, but until he would, it was until it was. But let's get there. He would use his alternate tires to work his way back onto the lead lap, but he made a he made a dive bomb move on Santino Ferrucci immediately after making his lap up, and slammed the wall after trying to make a pass. <laughs> this isn't the first time Pato has gone full potato. And oh my god! Shot for a gap that wasn't there. <laughs> way too late, way too late. He, he does it, it at, all the time. Did it at St. Petersburg twice. Mm-hmm. 
put Scott Dixon in the wall and, and then, then blamed himself. him for it and then himself. And then he did it at Indy with way too much of the race left to go. Yeah, like eight laps to go. And then he did it this time again. It's He's very good at just diving in too much. He's he's the head first. Ross Chastain of IndyCar. He just went full potato. H, yeah, essentially, yeah. yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Halfway mark and Stingray Rob would go off. Oh boy! Surprisingly scheduled tweet and bring out Andy a Gar- Carson Hosevar. Yeah, <laughs> and bring out a full course caution. <laughs> Under that caution, Graham Rahal would smash the wall through one of the corners, and Benjamin Peterson would get caught up in it because he had nowhere to go because Rahal crashed under yellow. All right. Uh. <laughs> um, hold on. I mean, the guy couldn't make the Indy 500, and then he crashes under yellow. Maybe it's time to hang it up. Seriously, you guys? The fuck? <laughs> Meanwhile, up front, uh, you were going to do something? I'm uh, sorry. Just, no. All right. <laughs> How do you crash under yellow? All he had to do was back it down a hair and not smash into the wall. Jesus Christ, dude. Seriously, oh. guy. Come on. Anyway, up front, Alex Pillow and Will Power would battle hard for the lead all race long until the very end. I'll get there. But 20 to go, Roman Grosjean would catch the wall, bring out another full course yellow. I swear to God, when I turned the race on, it was like every two or three laps after they went back green, they would have a caution. They spent like more time under yellow than they did actually. I mean, it wasn't that bad for a street course, but I mean, if you think this is going to be bad, imagine what they're going to do with fenders and no consequences. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to put this out there now. All street courses are trash, and we shouldn't race on them. Doesn't matter where you are. All street courses are trash. Hold on. Wait. No. 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 Actually, they're all garbage. Like. Nope. They're all garbage. Belle Isle. They got rid of it. Oh, this one. I mean, trash. Uh, there was one good race ever, and it was like Toronto when Alex Nardi went a lap down, and made it up with like twelve laps to go, and almost won the race. Trash. Still, still garbage. Um, St. <laughs> Pete. Trash. Nashville. Uh, Nashville. Trash. <laughs> a n- pile of nutty crap. <laughs> Eat full shit. Eat full, full nutty, nutty shit. shit. I had to steal that. <laughs> it's a full nutty crap. Uh, yeah, I said somebody. Who the hell was I talking about when I said they ate? Oh, was Me. it? You're talking to me about it. No, I was talking about somebody else. Was that when, um, what's that kid's name, crashed oh, the, in the cup race? Oh, yeah, yeah. 42 there. Oh, Noah. Noah. I said he yeah. ate full nutty shit. He ate full <laughs> nutty shit. All of it. Full. The whole thing. That was a hell of a hit. We'll get there also. Uh, let's get back to the IndyCar race here. 10 to go. Power and Polo, was, they were just battling again off into turn one. It's super bumpy. Everybody's sliding around. Power would run over Scott Dixon's nose, crossing back over, jump out of gear, and that would allow Pelot to get away. Eight to go, scheduled tweet. Stingray, Stingray Rob and Santino Ferrucci would go off again and bring out another full-course yellow. But Pelot would go on to win after leading a majority of the race, and if they never went back there, I'd be happy. Right. That's two out of the last three for Pelot. Yeah. 
Which is pretty darn good. It is. He was for a team he's not going to run next year. More than likely. But he was uh, quite impressive. If you watched his driving technique and how just sensible and stable he was, it was just impressive to watch. Like he's got the skills. There's no question. Um so. but it was fantastic to watch just him drive. The racing was garbage, but watching him and, and his talents was nice. So that'll be uh, their next race is at Road America the 18th. Oh, good. An actual good road course then. Yes. Good. I'll be excited to watch that. All right, trucks. Let's go to the national stuff. Trucks at Gateway. First off, I like Gateway, and I'm glad that this place is finally getting the attention it deserves. The cup cars race pretty well there, even if the cup cars are trash. Um, But I like Gateway because it's a track that has long straightaways and two very different turns. And you have to nail those corners or you're going to lose momentum. And those straightaways are so long, it just exacerbates the mistake. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, drivers have to use the brake pedal. Yeah. And that's something they don't use very much. Not anymore. (laughs) They used to, well, in the cup race, they probably didn't want to use the brake pedal after a while. Ouch. Uh, We'll get there. But anyway... Uh, we'll get into the truck race here. They also didn't make it past lap one when Brett Holmes and uh, Clay Greenfield would spin. Greenfield would wreck out with damage. He said he tried to start the truck, but the battery was supposedly dislodged. I think he just killed the thing. Uh, let's see. There's a name I don't recognize. Chris Hacker. He earned his name. I mean... <laughs> it, it. I don't recognize it's like it's written by name. it's just like a terribly written movie. Mm. It's mean, like a bit role in Driven. Chris Hacker uh, got into Jack Woods left rear off turn four and then stayed there, trying to go three wide in the middle and just flat junked wood into the inside wall around by a bunch of hacks somewhere around lap fifty five. Again, I, mean, I don't even know who this guy is. It's it's so avoidable and it's so ridiculous because the hole was not even there. Yeah. Not even think about being there. Yeah, and he just stuffed the he thing in there. He just stuffed it in there and said, oh, well. Oh, well, uh, I, mean, I hooked just, onto his bumper. It's like, that doesn't work I mean, that these crashes anymore. that go on, and especially the one later on with Haley Deegan and shit. And, yeah. and San, it, it's just we'll like, there. it's just one of those things where it, it's so comically awful. Because <laughs> it's like watching, it's just trash. It is. It's the equivalent of like the Jerry Springer show. It's the Jerry Springer show. It's just like a bunch of people taking a dump all over the stage and throwing chairs at each other, screaming, "You're you're my dad. You're my baby's daddy." And no, I ain't. The hell, I am. <laughs> yeah, horrible. All right, let's get into more names we don't know. Lap sixty-seven. Connor Jones got inside Matt De Benedetto and spun into turn one, backing it hard. Let me just say, fuck that kid. Backed it hard into the outside wall. Elaborate. He's a pro late model piece of shit. Mm, fair. Deep ties of money. Big money. Oh, he just drives into everybody to make every pass he's tries to make, and people are getting sick of it already. Great kid. Does not need to be a race car driver. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Speaking of which, lap 87. Haley Deegan got turned into turn three by Nick Sanchez and plastered the outside wall. She had all four wheels off the ground when she hit. That was a big hit. Uh, that was just ridiculous. Yeah. 
I mean, you get a bump drafter down the straightaway into the corner. You got to back out of it at some I mean, point. Come on, man. It's pretty... Dirty Sanchez. That's right. Just the dirty Sanchez of all. <laughs> Just stuck it right in there and pulled it out and drew a mustache all over her face. And then shoved her in the wall. <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> Good grief. I was thinking we were going to hear something about trombones, but we're not going there. <laughs> Couple cautions for a couple sp- skin flutes of <laughs> trombones, you know, and you got stuff a whole band. Ew. A Poor couple Haley. She hit so hard. That was too. ridiculous. That was, it was just hard, so hard stupid. Hit. She just needed so fucking a, stupid. She needed a hair of Grace going into turn three and he wasn't willing to give it. Yeah, do you ever watch her uh YouTube channel? I do not. No. It's pretty comical sometimes. I mean I saw some pedophiles on TikTok comparing her to Leah Block, and I'm like, she's 15, pedo. Calm down. Jesus Christ. Yeah. What, what do you, well, what do you mean? As in, Leah Block is 15. Uh, oh, the, were they comparing talent or are they comparing uh, looks? Oh, yeah, that's definitely hebophilia. Yeah, let's calm down, pedos, okay? Let's not do that. A couple cautions for spins would set up a shootout with 20 to go. And uh, it didn't really work out that way because there were more cautions. Six to go. Leaders Ty Majeski and Zane Smith get together racing for the lead and wreck in turn three, opening the door for Kermit and Finger to take the lead. What? <laughs> I said Kermit and Finger. Oh. Phil hey. got it. Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I I'm never sorry. thought of that before. I'm sorry. Listen to the guy talk, Jesse. Listen, no, we, you're dead on. Listen, we had a great truck all day, and I just have to say that you know when you have Daniel Daniel Dive running up the backside of you, you know he's just going to punch you right in the dick. So you got to lead the race and get clean air mm. and get right out front, or else you will get punched in the dick. Hey, drive to end suicide. <laughs> we don't bully people around here. We only punch them in the dick when they don't do what we want. Yeah, he said, um, but you know, guys back at the shop, they they rolled out a great truck all weekend long. But Grant Enfinger would hold on for the green white checker restart and take the win, proving me wrong when I said he was good for about a win per year. So now he's got two, so he proved me wrong. All right, Xfinity at Portland. Oh, were you waiting for something? No, I wasn't actually. Were you? I was. Let's be fair. He wasn't winning until the two leaders wrecked. <laughs> he wasn't winning until he did. Yes. <laughs> but you have to be there at the end in order to win. And he was there. I bet Grant wins five races this year. Uh, He could. It's very possible. They're not that far into this. Well, they're kind of halfway through, aren't they? But Ish. It's, yeah, it's possible. Let's, he's already two in. Let's give him some credit. Uh, like I didn't before. Anyway, yeah, she's got a new one up, I think. But anyway, we'll go into the Xfinity Series because they were nowhere near St. Louis. They were in Portland, which I'm shocked they still allow a racetrack to be built around there. Uh, Let's see. I noticed that they'd mentioned they moved the start box to the middle of uh, the last turn in order to try to space the field out a little and decrease the chances of cars piling into turn one, which I thought was a decent idea. 
But in practice, it didn't really work because that being said, Chandler Smith got turned around in turn one on the opening lap. So that didn't really work out for him very well. More on him later. This is fun. Yeah, remember his name. <laughs> remember that. Let's see. Well, Moron <laughs> is here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. We have more on that later. <laughs> caution flew towards the end of stage one. And uh, during that caution, Daniel Hemrick's car just burst into flames randomly while pacing around. Even it had enough of him driving it. Uh <laughs> Did I say that out loud? <laughs> That's what it did. Uh, vehicular suicide. Sheldon Creed and John Hunter Nemechek were the class of the field early, and they would battle each other almost all race. Nemechek would run wide on the last lap of the first stage. Creed would get by for the stage win. More on them later. Uh, like right now, John, John Hunter Nemechek would get into Creed in the last corner of the final lap of Stage 2, sending Creed, uh, sending Creed spinning, and Cole Custer would get by for the stage win. I believe the ensuing restart, Custer would then run wide on the, well, was it the ensuing restart or was it the one with 23 to go? I don't know how the, re- I don't know how the laps really laid out there, but let's just say the restart was 23 to go, and he would drop a bunch of spots, allowing Justin Allgaier to take the lead. 20 to go, and Creed had rallied up to third place, and he would exact his revenge and spin John Hunter Nemechek back in the same spot on the track that Nemechek had uh, spun him out in. And uh, Nemechek's day would get a little bit worse after this because he'd get the car going, go back down around the track, and his own teammate, Sammy Smith, would body slam him and uh, spin him out again. Uh, Nemechek would later catch up to Smith and door him off the racetrack. I just love instant karma. <laughs> I love karma, especially with John Hunter Nemechek. Yeah. He got he got double dipped. Yeah. That was good. Well, after the race, Nemechek said that he wasn't really mad about Creed spinning him out. He kind of called it fair play because he got him first. He was mad about Sammy Smith taking him out, though, because he's his own teammate and there was no reason for it. But, you know, like he said, it's fair. He got hit by, he hit Creed. Creed got him back. That's fair game. At least he understands it. But speaking of rallying, Custer would be making up spots quickly. With eight to go, Riley Herbst would, I think he blew a motor or something, but he caught fire pretty well. And that would give Custer a serious shot at catching up to the lead again. Five to go. Chandler Smith would get into Jeb Burton and send him spinning off track. I'm just waiting for Phil to chime in here. A possible retaliatory move from earlier? I'm not sure. Uh, This also resulted in a physical confrontation after the race, and the drama spilled over onto social media afterwards. You know, how come it's always Jeb Burton, too? It seems like he's... In a few, at least two or three scuffles a year. Because he's better. He, keep, he keeps saying it's not him, but why is he always involved? He's right. better at running his mouth than he is at running a car. Because let's go, let's deep dive into this a little bit. Bert, apparently swinging his fist. He's, he, yeah, he's better at talking than swinging. He Burton can... took to multiple posts on social media to proclaim how much he swung on Smith after the race. And then Smith posted a video rebuffing Burton's claims, 
with it set to Benny Hill music. God tier trolling. Because Burton was talking all sorts of shit on all sorts of posts about how he hit him in the face and swung on him and shit. He made up those stats where he beat Noah Gregson all the time. You know, his stats versus Noah's stats head-to-head at Junior Motorsports. Yeah. Well, likes to cre- he has a very active imagination. Chandler Smith posted the video of said quote-unquote fight, which it wasn't a fight, it was an altercation, and Burton missed with every punch he tried to throw at him or limp-wristedly flail his way. <laughs> oh, but it was great trolling by Smith afterwards. All right, so let's just get back into the serious stuff here instead of idiocy. The caution flew with three to go with Custer in fifth. And I'm talking about Cole Custer, obviously. Uh, you'll see why. Custer would get to the lead after an overshoot. Ironic, considering that's how he lost the lead. Uh, Justin, I don't know who did it. I think it was Allgaier or somebody. I forgot to write that in my notes. But Allgaier would uh, chase him back down on the final lap, driving like an absolute madman. Uh, he'd get to his bumper in the last corner, but he would not send Custer for the win. Uh, Custer would hold on and take the victory. I mean, how many people knocked off uh, Sheldon Creed at the end of the race? It's like he had a kick me sign at the back of his. <laughs> all of them? Yeah, basically he, everybody. He it, looks it, like kick me sign on him all the time anyway. I mean, he has enough problems making mistakes on his own. He doesn't need everybody else to you know hit him too. I know. When he finally has a good race, then he gets beat to hell. You know, It's like the kid can't catch a break and he can't give himself one either. It's Austin Powers Creed over here. Um, but I got to say, thanks to Justin Allgaier for actually racing with respect and showing that it still exists. And I hope that it gets paid back to him at some point in the future because he could have easily shipped it in way too hot in the last corner and just knocked out Custer, but he didn't. And that's probably why they don't put him in cup rides because he doesn't shove people out of the way and yeah, cause enough well. controversy and bullshit. Well... He doesn't get he doesn't get sent and blocked and you know punted out of the way either because you know he thinks about the big picture. So yeah, I genuinely hope people see that and understand that and yeah. give him the same courtesy at some point in the future. I hope he doesn't go up to him and say, "I gave you a break," because I hate it when people do that. That is the worst. I gave you a break. Yeah, oh, did well, you? Okay. Well, yeah, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like, hey, I could have been a bad guy. But I could have been the bad guy, but today I was the I good guy. I just wanted you to notice my act of valor, yeah. my honor. That's what I, <laughs> I am honorable, is. and you I need to I want you to notice that. my honor. Yes. And I'm like, okay, so I'll just punt you twice for being a douche. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you for nothing. All right, so Cup Series ran at Gateway, and again, love Gateway. I don't know why. I'm I'm a fan of Darlington. Maybe this kind of gets my goat that way. Um, the race would start, but only make two laps in when Tyler Reddick would spin in turn two, not hit anything, bring out a yellow, and um, at the same time, Corey LaJoy, filling in for Chase Elliott, would accidentally hit his master kill switch in the car, drop all the way to the tail of the field before recovering, but to be fair, he never really would recover. I kind of hope he was going to have a good run because it kind of reminded me of back in 1987 when uh, Tim Richmond got sick and again and they didn't really release what he was sick with. Yeah, but. they didn't know and Jimmy Means filled in for him. Mm-hmm. 
and he was run and he qualified really really freaking high. Wasn't he like second? He qualified like it was in the five. top five. I know that. Yeah, or yeah. somewhere close to it, but I forget. Oh, yeah. you go down a little bit. I think you got it down there. A little one of the biggest days in Jimmy's Sprint Cup career. T- Tim Wurtzman. Yeah, there you go. Oh, it doesn't show when he where he qualified though. Ah, that sucks. That's all right. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, he was he qualified up front. It was like it was really in, in the top up. ten. It was good. It was really well and single digits, and he was running in the top 10 top five all day and then he crashed out and not of his doing yeah he was he qualified fifth and crashed in 40th oh he does say it yeah so okay yeah so he he was running around where he qualified yeah he was around the top five all day and then he and then he got caught up in someone else's bullshit you know and yeah which ended a really great story so yeah unfortunately so it kind of reminded me of that you know uh I mean, for better or for worse, I mean, Kyle Larson was uh, thirty was one spot in front of him for a long time. Back yeah, in they the were 30s. Back, yeah, they were back in the thirties at some point, but Larson was able to rally, but he yeah. kind of wasn't. Uh, but also, uh, where did Corey LaJoy finish? I don't know. I can't remember. But all I know is is that Chase Elliott ran the same exact spot last year, twenty first, I believe. Yeah, he, that's where Chase Elliott finished last year. At Gateway, yeah. So you got to figure um, Hendrick Motorsports is not maybe they just been don't friends with yeah. Gateway for the most part. But yeah. and Kyle Larson got to his spot through a lot of pit road strategy. They took two tires a lot just to get track position and get him up there. But once he got to the front, he really wasn't a factor to win. I mean, even late, he lost second. You know what I mean? And Denny Hamlin got by him, so it's like. Yeah, they didn't have the perfect car like they used to having, but I mean, the only reason he was kind of up there was because he's Kyle Larson, let's be fair, but they used a lot of strategy to get there, and I don't think they used the same strategy with the nine car, and he said, I know that LaJoy was on the radio saying, you know, this thing's not handling, it's tight center, I can't get to the throttle, this, that, and the other thing, and um, Carson Hosevar was in his car, and Hosevar was kind of running where the seven car had run all year long, top 20, top 15, you know what I mean? Yeah. So he was doing well, and it was pretty much where the equipment was, and he was having a good day. But more on that later, because uh, he fit a theme for the day. Uh, however, after these two incidents, right on the first two laps, there would be multiple lightning strikes within the range that NASCAR deems unacceptable, and the race would be delayed for an hour and I think it was 45 minutes. There was no rain, just lightning strikes that were happening in very inopportune moments. Like they'd start counting the clock down and then bang, another lightning strike would hit and they'd reset the clock and it's a 30 minute clock and it's so annoying. I hate it. So anyway. Yeah, I mean, what are the chances you get struck by lightning? Come on. Yeah, I mean, but you don't want it to hit the grandstands because they're metal and people can like get Pocono. really, yeah, people get really, really hurt after that happens. So shut up, Kenny. Cat's a yowler. All right, lap fifty-four, Jesse, you're gonna love this. Ross Chastain got the itch again and got into Michael McDowell and turned him around while racing for sixth. I mean, he hasn't crashed into anybody in two or three weeks, you know. <laughs> after he had his little conversation with, uh, with his with his team owner there, yeah. So. Well, Mr. Marks, but I mean, his skin started to itch, so he had to the itch. 
it caught up to him. Got to have that itch. <laughs> caught the itch. Even though I don't think this was his fault, but ah, it is what it is. I mean, <laughs> there was a lot of people making contact all day, so we can't really pinpoint it on just him, and especially mm-hmm. that in the truck. He did race leave too. a pretty big hole up in McDowell did, and don't leave a hole if you don't want anybody to fill it. That's what I've learned in <laughs> racing. If you slide up, expect somebody to dive for it. Usually somebody will. So let's mention Carson Hosefar again because he kind of set the tone here for some of these guys. Um, Hosefar blew a brake rotor going into turn one, got the wall, ended his day. That was just a precursor to what we are going to see for the rest of the race. 66 to go. Tyler Reddick would lose a brake rotor going into turn one and crash. Now Eric Jones, his front tire changer would get hit on pit road and uh, he would be taken away by ambulance to a local hospital. Uh, since Reddick's car was out and they were pitted next or close by, his front tire changer actually volunteered to help them get through the end of the race, even though they're a different manufacturer, they're a different team, they're different everything. He just jumped in to help out, which I think that's pretty cool teamwork, you know, by all involved. And it shows the camaraderie of the sport, which is pretty cool. And that guy that got hit was okay. So Yeah, they, they uh, Legacy Motor Club, which is the one he works for, issued a tweet on June 5th, which is today, actually, of record date at 11.45 a.m. Well, I mean, Legacy Motor Club will be a Toyota, so... They also will be a Toyota team. That's why they're in a lame duck situation right now. So it is kind of... It will be eventually, but... Update, Thomas Hatcher, front tire changer for the number 43 team who was injured on pit road yesterday in NASCAR Cup Series race, was treated and released from St. Louis... Uh, University Hospital last night. We are relieved he is resting and recovering at home in North Carolina. So he got banged up a little bit, but uh, I guess he's going to be all right. So that's good to hear. Let's move on to... Oh, another one. 43 to go. Noah Gregson would lose a brake rotor. Do you sense a theme here? And A little bit. Slam the turn one wall hard, resulting in a red flag and a very long cleanup. They had... All the fluids. <laughs> All the fluids on the racetrack. I think there was even poo on the racetrack. Because he hit so hard he emptied his bowels. But he also emptied his mouth because he said that he couldn't wait for the off season because of how badly shit's been going down. Um, but to be fair, I mean, when you're a discouraged race car driver, it's like, yeah, and you're in a lame duck season. It's really tough to keep that uh, focus and you know positive mentality especially when you get wrecked and dumb shit happens parts are breaking shit just not of your own doing i think that knocked the dog food out of him yeah it's just discouraging and he doesn't he doesn't like these cars i don't think because they wreck really really hard for what they are i mean if that was an xfinity car or a truck it would have folded up a lot more a lot better but these things wreck really hard and he said openly that he doesn't want to crash in these cars because it hurts way worse well, I mean, they did a little bit of work to them, I know. But uh, even Day, well, Day Hamlin said that he, uh, last week when he got right hooked into the outside wall, that uh, is, he couldn't hold his head up. Yeah, because it strained so, all his neck muscles. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't disagree with him, man. Wrecking hard sucks. Yeah, that hurts. That shit hurts. So, I don't, I don't know. I hope they can come up with a solution sometime in the future. That's but why. With, that's why my car, I don't get hurt because my car stays in the garage. <laughs> Unintentionally. But until we get rid of the Steves, we're not going to see any real progress in NASCAR. So, 
Uh, let's see here. 36 to go. Christopher Bell would get turned around in turn three for the eighth caution of the day. Kyle Larson would use a lot of pit road strategy, and the cautions really kind of fell his way at the end because he'd get a lot of back to back cautions happen in there. And he would, it would really help him get to the front because, like we said earlier, he was mired in like 30s in position before he would really start to make up spots on pit road strategy. Yeah, he would. 22 to go. Here's some. (laughs) 22 to go. Here's some controversy. Austin Dillon and Austin Sindrick made contact, sending Dillon up into Ricky Stenhouse, and they both went into the turn one wall. Dillon would say later in an interview that he thinks the contact was deliberate from Sindrick and he should be parked for next week. Although, if you watch the replays, it's very difficult to tell intent from them because you can see Dylan's car moving up the racetrack. Thoughts? I think Sindrick just held the wheel straight. I believe so, too. I mean, I also I also really don't blame Austin Dillon for being all hot and bothered inside of a really warm race car. Yeah. And just got wrecked. It friggin' hurts. It's all hot. You still got your, your, your pajamas on that are... They're still really hot, and it's just you're, you're annoyed. You got that shitty ass mustache that looks like the dirty Sanchez. Yeah. So and you just got poop all over your face, and then <laughs> and, and, and and your day is over. So I don't blame him, but at this same point, I really don't want to get into into having to look at the SMT data every single time and call for people to be. Sit down well, for suspension for every for every freaking thing. Well, here's I the mean, thing. I mean, I like, I love, we love respectful racing. We all love it. We, we, we demand it. We, you know, that's what we wish for every single time that we watch. But at the same point, I, I have to let this go. Yeah. Here's what you're going to find on the SMT data that looks suspicious. When a car moves up into you, in order for you to keep your car straight, what do you have to do? Steer into the direction of the crash. Correct. So what you're going to see is you're going to see Cindric's hands be straight, and then you're going to see the wheel turn left before the corner. And then you're going to see his wheels turn straight again, and they're going to suspend him. This is my prediction. They're going to suspend him because of that, because NASCAR is run by people who don't know racing. So they're going to suspend him for holding the wheel essentially straight and just making sure well, he I don't doesn't know. crash. I mean, well, I, I don't. Isn't Elton Sawyer have a big say in this? You would, Elton, you would think. I would but, hope so because Elton Sawyer was a driver and a really damn good one. He was a good driver. So his wife wasn't half bad either. Let's be fair. Yeah, she held her own. Yeah, oh, definitely. Patty was good. Yeah. It was Patty Moise, right? Yeah, Patty. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, I had to just yeah, she, she pull the memory fine back. Job. Yeah, no, she was fine. She did great. She was a long-time Bush regular. But, again, if a, if a car drifts up into you and you're like, to hell with you, I'm holding my lane, that car is going to start moving you to the right when it makes contact with you. So you have to kind of put rudder to it to make sure your car stays going straight and you don't get involved in the wreck. That's what Cindric did. They're going to call that as being intentional when it, wasn't it was just him holding his lane dylan moved up <laughs> sorry but again that's that's probably going to be the one thing that they're going to look at they're going to see him put left rudder into it to keep himself from wrecking when he comes across his nose they're going to suspend him based off of that when he ned 
no reason to intentionally wreck him. And if he intentionally wrecked him, you would have seen that car go to the left. It didn't. It went straight. Dylan moved up. Bottom line. And if they suspend him, you just know that NASCAR doesn't know racing. So anyway. I don't think they'll suspend him. Well, I hope not because we really don't need Big Brother being a big intruder of our lives thanks to technology. Yeah, I mean. Because you know what that is? Hmm. That, that that is statism, and statism leads to this. Like it or not, fair, or at least an oligarchy. No. Well, if you want to know what's going on, in the, <laughs> if you want to see how much censorship you actually live under in a supposedly free state, Google what's going on in France right now. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't think I can. <laughs> All right, well, the results. Yeah, they'll tell you that France is a lovely place to visit. They won't say anything about the horrific protests going on and people being arrested on site. All right, so anyway, Kyle Busch was up front. Oh, wait, no, I can't say that one yet because I missed this one. Five to go. Bubba Wallace would lose a brake rotor and hit the turn one wall and end his day. How many up are we up I to? Think four it's, or I think five they've only had rotors? four. They only had four brake rotors out of 36, which isn't a big percent. Yeah. But it's still a noticeable enough pattern. When you have more than one, that's not great. I mean, and this I, is the hardest track that they can that they use the brakes for. This in Pocono, probably. This has eight hundred pounds per square inch or something that's pushed onto these brakes. Well, you're getting into turn one pretty hot, and you got to slow it down pretty well. And they don't have you, time down the straightaway to cool off like a Pocono. Well, yeah, they here's do. Here's a dumb question, though. What's that? We've well, come this I'll far with this fucking car and all the bullshit with this car why are we still using steel brake rotors great question i have no idea they're say they'll say it's cost savings well fucking wadding the car up because you blew one apart ain't saving you no money well what they're gonna go to forty thousand dollar a piece carbon ceramic rotors so be it <laughs> they've already spent this much money on these cars might as well yeah, we need to we need to spend one hundred and twenty thousand dollars on brake rotors. I have another dumb question, not that Phil's was dumb, but I'm just saying, uh, are they able to tape off the area that allows no air to go into them? No tape. They're not allowed any tape. Okay. Now the reasoning that they were coming up with was that they get into the turn one so hot that they heat the rotors up really hot. And then down the straightaways, the straightaways are so long and you need less brake into turn three that they're going through so many hot, cold cycles that it was cracking and breaking rotors. Like, they'd get super cold. Like, you'd have a straightaway and then you wouldn't use them as much going into three and four because it's a bigger sweeping corner. And then you'd have another straightaway to cool them off even more and then you'd get them hot again. On short tracks, they're hot and they stay hot. And that usually doesn't lead to failures because you're staying within one specific temperature range for a long period of time. When they hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, then they start to crack. And the cold is what cracks them. So that's what their prevailing theory was. And I don't disagree with it. It's possible. And I don't know what the lifespan of these brakes are, how much they use, or even if they would attempt to reuse them. I kind of doubt it. Um, but anyway... We could speculate on that all day, but we need to get to the end of this yeah, race. Some traditions may need to die, like steel brake rotors. I think it's fine. There's no other problem except for this race. It's not worth. It's not worth fixing. What they should do is just 
say, okay, well, why don't we make provisions to change the ducting or brake rotor cooling for this one track so it heats the brakes up a little bit more or it doesn't allow for as much temperature change. That's all they have to do. That's literally it. They don't have any other issue anywhere else. All right, Kyle Busch was up front all day long, I swear to God. Like, I think he won at least one of the stages and was, like, second in the other stage to Ryan Blaney, who had another great run. And he would use the momentum from the top side to retain the lead on all those restarts at the end because he could really roll that top side really well. And he beat Kyle Larson a couple times. And then Denny Hamlin got to second, and he fended him off as well. And uh, Kyle Busch would take the win. It was his third win on the season. And I don't know who had the over-under on him getting at least, you know, even one win this year, but he's already up to three, and we're just past. Are we just past the halfway point? Or does uh, NBC take over at the halfway point? I, I NBC think... takes over after Sonoma. I could have sworn. Which would be the next race. It's the next race? Yeah, right. next race will be the halfway then. That has to be halfway, because I believe the TV contract is 50-50. Yeah. And... I know that it really throws me off because NASCAR is not like any other sport, even though they try to be, and they don't run their uh, all-star event at the halfway point in the season. You look at uh, basketball, baseball, hockey, etc., and they always have their all-star events at the halfway point in the season. And NASCAR seemingly doesn't do that. They do it in Memorial Day weekend, which is about the one-third mark, or close to it. And then halfway is when the TV contract changes over, which I'd be very interested to see how those negotiations are going. And uh, I haven't heard any rumors yet, but since I haven't heard any, that means it's probably going to stay kind of status quo. But we'll see. We'll see what really happens. I'm kind of hoping... A lot of this stays away we'll from streaming, like Peacock, but I don't know. More or less money, anyway, depending on how ratings have been in. Uh, been a, they've been a short uh, curly down, so I don't Every know. single sport is down, let's be fair. Every single sport is down because I don't know if they count streaming properly, um, if people just... Oh, aren't. they do. Oh, they, they do. do. Okay. Well, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, but. yeah no, they do. But I know that... Who cares? I just know that ratings are down across the board for. And if you need a streaming service, I'll be uh, I'll be able to, and not want to pay for one, I'll be able to give you a link. So yeah, we'll be able to watch it without paying for it. Screw you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, I don't think I have anything else to talk about. I think I'm all out of notes. Anything else that I might be missing that anybody else might want to talk about or. I'm sure there might be something, yeah, but I don't know. I, I mean, don't next know. week is Sonoma. And... Yeah. Nah, I don't care. All right. So, Phil, anything else? No, I don't have anything else. All right. We'll get in this thing because it's already pretty long in the tooth. We'll stick to the two hours. All right. You can find this podcast on every major podcasting platform. You can find us on Instagram at Making Laps Podcast. Facebook.com slash Making Laps Podcast. If you'd like to send us some feedback, you can send that over to Making Laps Podcast at gmail.com if you prefer to write an email. Or if you'd like to have your voice heard, you can go call us up at anchor.fm slash Making Laps. And you can have, I think you got to have a uh, Spotify account possibly because that's who owns us and or our hosting platform, I should say. And uh, you can do it that way. 
it, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at BrentGleason01. You can find me on YouTube at YouTube.com slash BrentGleason. You can find Phil at... At PJX Racing on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And you can find Jesse um, here. No one cares. <laughs> All right. And, bud, how do we you, end... You can find me on trying to beat the sacks for Jesse. Oh, perfect. You st- oh, you're still playing Metroid, huh? That's cool. Yeah, because he's he's having trouble with it, and I'm trying to help him. I'm All right. Well, how do we end the show? I'm, I'm more terrible than him. <laughs> no. Besides, I also for I can't hear him I at all. So, <laughs> well, I hope so. I'm just kidding. I eat chicken. All right, that's great. So, uh, <laughs> I can't really hear you anyway. So, how do we end the show? Keep the keep the dirt set down, stay on fence. Thank you for listening. Uh! You just have to do that, don't you? All right, thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. Yeah.